Hello, and thank you for joining this episode of This Is Just A Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Just a few reminders before we get started with this episode. Anybody who's interested could head over to the Facebook group at This Is Just A Phase for current updates on new episodes as well as past episodes. Also, information about bands that are on tour, music videos, and so much more. If Facebook isn't your thing, you can head over to my personal Instagram account at jonathan.kent.311 for a lot of that same information. Also, why don't you do yourself a favor and check out mine and Mike Rodemoyer's record label at thisisjustarecordlabel.bandcamp.com featuring releases like This Is Just a Compilation featuring 28 bands from around the globe as well as the debut EP, from Ohio pop-punk band, Gallon. That being said, Jay, take us away. You've got no motivation and you've got no self-esteem. There's a hole inside your head with no vision to be seen. Let's go. On this episode, I finally get somebody from the Great White North, as Jordan Elijah of Faster and Louder Records joins me for a truly fun and insightful episode into London, Ontario punk rock. Not only do we chat about his label, but we also chat about his introduction into punk rock, being a DJ with a radio show on 94.9 CHRW, his work as a promoter, and bands he's influenced by. He also shares funny stories like how he started his first band, Out of Spite. His first two releases by Dave Rocket and the Jobbers with the follow-ups and Elephant. He also gives me a sneak peek into upcoming releases and the incredible story of the Probably House, a kick-ass all-ages venue in downtown London, and so much more. So sit back and wave the maple leaf flag with this episode of This Is Just A Phase. Here's a track from Elephant and their 2021 debut EP Crumble out now on Faster and Louder Records entitled Shingles.
Hey, Jordy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, man. First time caller, long time listener. Oh, very good to hear, man. Like, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. We've been in talks for for quite a while about getting you on. And uh, I took a little bit of a break out, uh, around Christmas time. And then when I started uh, setting up for the new year, I was like, I got to get Jordy on like real quick. <laughs> well, I'm just, uh, I may have to like turn my head a bit because I'm just nursing a cold here, but it's not COVID. So that's a positive sign. Yeah, same here, man. I, I don't know if it's allergies or the cold or what it is, but it's been, it's been so freaking frigid up down here, man. You know what I mean? We've been, we've been getting it like, like, like down to like the, like the teens at night, man. It's, it's been frigid cold, man. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit here. I think it's about zero, but we're at negative 20 Celsius. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're even worse off than I am. Actually, uh, you're from the uh, Erie area, right? Yeah, just south of Erie, about an hour and a half south of Erie, yeah. Okay, okay. Because, uh, like, growing up, we, over the rabbit ears, like, for television, like, yeah. I'm just across the lake from Erie. Yeah. Like, if I were to get into, like, a boat, I can be, like, once I got to Port Burwell, which is a half hour south of me, once I got to, like, the Lake, lake Erie, I can be in Erie in 15 minutes. Oh, wow. It's just that damn border that gets in the way. You have to cross up uh, over in Niagara. Well, no. <clears throat> I'm just saying if I went, like, the way the bird flies, like... Oh, yeah. You're probably 60 miles from me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, you just cut, like, across the line right there, man. Yeah, like, growing up, you know, we used to watch, like, uh, WUTV out of... Uh, or WQLN there. And WJET, yeah. like, all that shit came in on the rabbit ears. Oh, Nice. Mm. nice we used to get all we, we didn't get any of the eerie channels growing up we got the youngstown stations because i grew up right on the right on the pa ohio line closer to youngstown so we yeah and like, like wfmj and stuff like that out of youngstown yeah and like i live i live in ingersoll which is 20 miles uh east of london the people in london like they all got uh like they got cleveland ch channels oh nice <clears throat> yeah they had a little bit better of options <laughs> yeah but we had yeah this 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 cold spell that comes in and you know what i'm kind of used to it because like we don't we don't get the snow like we used to um but we just like in january we get the frigid temperatures and it can last through like february and then we might get a little bit of snow in february but like by the time march comes man it's like rain you know what I mean? We just don't get the winners like we used to, thank God. Yeah, and, like, once it hits, like, the negative double digits here. Yeah. I was just talking to a buddy of mine. Once it hits the double digits, like, or the negative double digits, you know it's not going to snow. It's too cold to snow. Oh, no. Like, I think today's high was, like, 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. But the low got down to, like, I think it was, like, fucking, like, 9 degrees Fahrenheit, man. It was, like, yeah. it was bizarre, man. I was, like, I am not built for this shit, man. I got to go out west. <laughs> you know what? I work outdoors. and <sighs> So a do few, I. A few years ago, I lost 100 pounds, and I am cold. Oh, I, I bet, man. Dense. Oh yeah, I bet. Like I'm, 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 I'm a fat fuck, dude. So like, uh, I am too. But I used to be an even fatter fuck. Oh uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the heaviest I've been ever. So, um, 
I had a health scare last year and I, I got it under control and uh, um, my doctor is like really pushing me for, for me to quit smoking and for me really start being more active. But it's hard, man. It's hard, especially when the winter months come, man. There's not much you want to do. Well, and like prior to COVID, I was 230 and now I'm 265. And like in Canada, we've been locked down for most of it. A lot of stuff isn't open. So you're just like, literally, we're sitting around the house watching movies, listening to tunes. And, you know, you're just like, wonder what's in the cupboard. And that's pretty much what it was. Like my, my wife works in the medical field. So she, she worked the entire pandemic. And when my youngest was being homeschooled, one of us had to stay home and I wasn't work. I was, I don't nearly make as much money as my wife does. So I, uh, I stayed home with him and cause I was doing like DoorDash, like delivering food. Yeah. And, uh, so I just stayed home with him and, and helped him through the homeschooling. So like I lost pretty much a whole year, uh, not being able to work. But like I said, with my wife working in the medical field, she, she, she worked crazy hours, man. I mean, she was constantly working and, and, and constantly doing overtime and, and stuff where she needed to be. So it kind of all worked itself out, but. I'm sitting at home getting fat, <laughs> I mean, taking care of the house. My uh, buddy, Davey, who is in, a, he's from, he's in a band called Autolite Strike and oh, okay. uh, Juicy Thompson and the Snugger Regime. He said to me at the start of the pandemic, he said, oh, God, the best part of your day is going to work. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I was getting so bored at home that I was. You know, I was working six, seven days a week just to get out of the house. Yeah. 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 I got, I got a, I, I did pretty good until probably <gasps> by the time summer came, I was like the first summer for, for 2020. Um, I started to get a little goofy. I was like, I need to start doing stuff. And that's around the time they start lifting the first round of restrictions. Yeah. So I was able to enjoy the summer and then. <laughs> Um, when the fall came and they were, they were saying they were keeping the kids home through like January, I was like, okay, well, as soon as these vaccines are available, I'm getting them. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause I, I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore, man. I, I, I don't think I could have did a whole nother six months of what I was going through at that point. Yeah. I'm double vaccinated. I actually have an appointment Thursday for my uh, third booster. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got my, I got my, I got both my vaccines and my booster. Yeah, and you know, excuse me. The first, the first summer, things opened up, and you know, like me and my wife went. We got a hotel room in Toronto and just kind of, you know, just did something different than just sitting at home. We basically sat in a hotel watching movies. Yeah, you did like like a yeah. Yeah, but it was nice to be home doing it. Yeah. Me and me and my wife actually uh, in la, uh, uh, April of 2021, um, I turned 40 in the beginning of May, and um, my wife had got both her vaccines, and then I got my second vaccine right before we went to go to Las Vegas to see my brother and his okay. wife. And I got the second shot. Everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, the second shot's horrible." It's this that. I was like, "Well." I'm getting this shot, and then three days later, later I'm going to be on a plane to Vegas. 
Yeah. Because I mainly did it not only for my own my own protection, but also because I wanted to go on vacation. I wanted to go see my brother. Like, and honestly, I thought, you know what it we we got the AstraZeneca like first, and everybody was saying like you know it's not as good, blah blah. blah. Yeah. You know it had like some, I guess uh, it had some side effects if you were like a pregnant female, and I was just like I want vacation so bad that yeah. I signed up right away. Yeah, and it was it was something really freeing about getting the second vac the getting the second vaccine because there were places like when you're outside. What was really cool about Vegas in April is that it is busy, but people weren't asshole to elbows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody was on top of each other. Everybody was kind of giving each other space. Like, not everybody was wearing masks, and neither was I, because I, I had gotten exposed to it earlier. So if I was going to get sick, it wasn't going to be nearly as bad as before. You know what I yeah. mean? So, but like, yeah, people weren't on top of it. It wasn't your typical Vegas. You know what I mean? It was still kind of like the beginning of things kind of getting back to normal, kind of slowly. But um, <laughs> it was nice to be able to go there and and not not be fearful. You know what I mean? Not to have that yeah. fear set with you. You know, December 2021, my wife and I, uh, like her, her stepfather celebrated his 60th birthday. We nice. went down to like an adults only resort in Mexico. You know, the plane was full, which was kind of weird, but the airport was not in Cancun was not near as busy as like you expected it to be. We get to, um, I think this particular resort could hold like 130 people. Or no, no. correction, sorry, <clears throat> like three hundred people, but there was only a hundred and thirty people in the resort, so it was it was fairly empty. And then we came home for a week, and we flew to Florida, and not a lot of people were wearing masks. No, we didn't wear the mask when we were uh, we didn't really wear the mask when we were outdoors, but mm -hmm. we always did it when we were indoors. But then we flew right from Florida because we went to Disney, and then we flew right from Florida to uh new orleans to meet up with some friends go see head at the rocketing nice you know new orleans was fairly empty but they were a little lax with the uh like with the mask rules yeah and you know what in vegas it was it was hit or miss like some some casinos you went into they were they were pretty lax about it but then you went into other ones and they were like if you're sitting at the slot machine drinking and smoking a cigarette, they'd be like, between puffs, you got to put your mask on. Yeah. So they like, were being a little bit more stricter in certain ones. Yeah. And we walked into certain restaurants with the mask on. And as soon as you sit down, you can take it off. Whereas mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah, in Canada, like where we are, they want you to wear the mask while you're waiting for your food. Yeah. 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 You know what? And I think now I think it's, it's a lot it's a lot better down here it's a um it's pretty much if you're vaccinated you're cool um if you've got your boosters even better i mean there's a lot of the restrictions have been lifted and they've been lifted since like probably like i'd say since like the summer you know, yeah it's been pretty it's been pretty lax and like i was finally able to go back to shows and stuff and th and that was nice <clears throat> i actually i did a show in december show in october and i did a show in september and the show in december was the elephant cd release party and yeah. we actually had to start early because the new restrictions we are back in lockdown happened at midnight 
Oh, uh, wow, really? Yeah, because uh, my understanding, and I'm I'm no expert, like with free healthcare, we don't have, say, the most, you know, we don't, we don't have 20, 20 machines when, you know, you know, your hospitals in the States might have a hundred, you know, we, yeah. you know, but we're not billing for it. So they keep, you know, they keep lesser stuff on hand and they just, for for us, we've been told all along it's to not overwhelm the healthcare system. Yeah, that's pretty much how Pennsylvania and Ohio's been too. Yeah, yeah. If you feel like you're sick, don't fucking leave your house. You know what I yeah. mean? Because they were getting because especially especially in like the bigger cities like Philly and 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 Pittsburgh, um, that's where the concentrated cases were the most, were the highest. Yeah, um, same with here. It was you know like my sister lives out in BC and. She's like, oh, we don't even have to wear a mask anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, she lives in like on Vancouver Island, which is a, like it's a very small population area. Yeah. Whereas like I live in a part, it's called the uh, it's kind of called the Golden Horseshoe because it goes from Niagara Falls to like Toronto. But there's also it's called the like the Windsor Montreal Corridor, which yeah. is like where like half of Canada lives. Yeah. And you're figuring just Toronto itself is like what, like five million people or something like that. It's a yeah, pretty, like, pretty big city. Montreal to Windsor Corridor is like fifteen million people, and Canada's whole population is thirty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, like I think I think what is uh, Philly's like four and a half million, and I think like Pittsburgh Metro is like one and a half. So, yeah. but like, that's where it seemed like to be like the most concentrated, um, of the, of the spikes and stuff like that. And like, I, I get it, like in a wet County by County, really, um, mm -hmm. you know, like our County is only maybe about 60,000 in the whole County. Um, but the city that I live in is like the, the, the core of it. And that's about 25. Yeah. So, you know, you know, there were constant updates and we were averaging there for a while, like 10 to 10 to 15 cases a week. And then like at its <clears> highest <throat> and then it, it, it slowly, it slowly went down as, as time went on more and more people were getting the vaccine and stuff. Yeah. Johnny, you never sat with Danny, you never 
Yeah, let's get away from the COVID talk, though. Yeah, for it, sure. Let's <laughs> get on something a little more upbeat. Yeah, let 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 let's talk about all the all the cool shit that I want to talk to you about. Um, I uh, earlier today I listened to your appearance on the Ambivalence podcast, and uh, dude, I was cracking up, man. Those those guys are a trip, and, and yeah, you and sure. uh, you and Dave Rocket from Dave Rocket and the Jobbers were on, and. Uh, yeah, I was listening to that episode just because I just wanted to, not only do we have correspondence through Messenger and stuff like that, but I just kind of wanted to get a feel for, you know what I mean, your rhythm and, and your and your personality a bit. Yeah. Um, which I which I do with most guests unless I already know them personally. Um, so but it was really cool getting to kind of get your get get to know you a little bit, listening to the podcast. And uh you're a funny dude, but you know, we also talk like I said, correspondence, and, and we have a good rapport already, so I, I knew what to kind of expect going into this. Yeah, Dave and I are idiots. <laughs> um, I, I've, uh, you, uh, you were talking to Nick No and uh, Scott Parente, so I know how they are too. Yeah. <laughs> they could be idiots too. Like, I literally, I booked a show a few years ago. Um, I actually had the Young Rochelles, uh, they did a live there on my radio show, as they were driving from the Toronto show to the Detroit show, right? Mm -hmm. And then a year later, I booked them. And I actually, I got them an afternoon show in Hamilton and a night show in London, which I, I put on the night show. And oh, wow. Dave showed up. He was the only one that showed up to see the afternoon show. And he showed up to the evening show. And I, I was, you know, I was talking to Dave. I never, he's from Sarnia, Ontario. And like, a week later, Dave and I are in the car going to Detroit to buy like junk food. Nice. Yeah, like literally, I, I met him for two minutes at a show, and a week later, I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm going down to Detroit. Do you want to come with me?" And like, he's like, "Absolutely." <laughs> which I heard you mentioned that seems kind of ridiculous too, because like Dave's living in Sarnia, which is only a half hour from Detroit, but he drove all the way to like London. So he drove an hour to get into the car with me to drive an hour and a half to get to Detroit. That's awesome. I could have just went to his house and picked him up, but <laughs> he had to make it a little bit difficult, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> difficult for him, not for me. No, you were you were breezy about it. It was ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah but that's I... the story on the uh, Ambivalence podcast where I mentioned I got pulled over on the way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And it was funny listening to you guys do the uh, do the movies movie quotes because you know me and Scott and 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 Nick Spoon we like to bust Nick nose balls a lot, especially when it comes to his his uh, frigidness when it comes to watching certain movies. Like he's kind of stuck on certain movies. So listen to you guys try to come up with the quotes, and he had like no idea what like anything yeah. was. Ah, <laughs> uh, like. I was 18 years old. Like I live in a town of 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. I was 18. And you know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, five or 6,000 people. I think in high school, it was 8,000 people. And I I was 18 years old. Oh, and all yeah. we did was watch movies. My parents yeah. still won't leave town. Yeah. I, I, I grew up watching the movies, especially the core ones too. Like when you guys were doing the Adam Sandler and the Paul yeah. store and like, like that's all. You it's know, all anybody Ventura, that's all Just bread and butter man. Yeah. yeah yeah like all the good comedies like i don't know how old you are but we're we're all roughly similar in age 
And I turned 43 this year. Okay. I, I, I told you uh, in May I turned 40, so I'll actually be knocking on 41's door. But, um, yeah, it was like all those movies were, were staples. You know what I mean? So, like, some of the most quotable movies, and he's like, Oh, I don't know what that is. I'm like, I'm, I'm yelling at the, I'm yelling at my phone, dude. Like yelling the answers out, like every, every single one of them, man. We had a movie store when, when I was in high school, and it was a lot like Clerks. You know, you, you, it was uh, like Randall was like, I want to go to that other store and rent a good movie, right? Yeah. Like we had a place, Buster, where it was you know four dollars to rent a movie, but we had another place where you could get five old movies for five dollars for five days mm-hmm. and like those were the movies you always grab the adam sandler movies we always grab mall rats we always grabbed half baked like those were movies that were like every week you were grabbing oh yeah like we had a we had a blockbuster but then we also had um in downtown where I, where i was close to we had a it was called purple cow i don't know yeah. if you remember purple cow video and uh, Purple Cow was like that. They had like all the old school movies, all the stuff you wanted. And you could rent them for like five nights for like a buck. And you would get them. You would like, you would rent them for like five days. You would scarf up, like you said, like all the Adam Sandlers, all the, all the Kevin Smith movies, all the, all the Ace Venturas and shit like that. We would just scarf those up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that being said, man, that's pretty cool. I just wanted to touch base on that. I I, I found that really funny um, that you guys well, listen. I try to listen to their podcast as much as I can because they're they're good buddies of mine, and I like to try to support other podcasts too, other than my own. You know what I mean? Try to give back to those guys too. Yeah, like um, I I always listen to like I was telling you, I always listen to the Damien Abraham Turn Out a Punk. I always listen to Judgeheads yep. Basement. I'm always listening to the Dummy Room. But I just recently added the ambivalence. I uh, did the this is just a phase. And uh, I'm doing this Burger Creek Productions 50 Minutes of Fame. Oh, yeah, I know those. Uh, yeah, they're they're friends with uh, Jay Prozac over there in Massachusetts. Yeah. And then uh, I also listen to this Murder Records and Danko Jones podcast. But they don't get often. So it's like, you know, once a month, it's like a 20 minute, a half hour. It's, it's quick to, to stay on top of those ones. Yeah, everything really started for me when I started listening to uh, to uh, Damien's podcast. Turned out a punk. Yeah, um, amazing. Of, well, yeah, one of my one of my good good buddies is a is a big fucked up fan. And yeah. um, you know, I've actually I, never heard them. Uh, they're they're okay. They're not they're not typically my, my cup of tea. But um, yeah, I I don't know. Like my buddy was like, you should check it out. It's it, it's right up your alley. And I was listening to it, and I was just like, I fell in love with the podcast. And then yeah. I discovered Jugheads and the Dummy Room and all that. And that was, those three were my go-to. And then I listened to uh, uh, the guy from MXPX, his podcast. Um, my buddy Jed has uh, Talking Records podcast, which is really cool. You know, I just kind of flew around to like uh, like five or six podcasts. Yeah. Um, there's another one called Peer Pressure, which is, I don't know if you know the band, uh, Portugal the Band. No, no. Um, they're from Alaska, but uh, they're, the guy I think was in a band called I Am the Avalanche, too. Okay. Um, he has a podcast, and he's like, he he, he has a, quite a bit of big names, kind of like Damien does. So, but yeah, those are the podcasts I kind of float around either through Apple or Spotify that I really follow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
wrote this song cause he had no internet Got shot off yesterday Dave wrote this song cause he had no place to be Dave wrote this song just for Dave to talk to you about your record label faster and louder records um you're based out of uh london ontario yes Um, how how did you come how did you come up with the idea of deciding to do the record label and um what what kind of uh, who was kind of in your corner when you were coming up with the idea to do it okay so i i had a label previously that put out like short run CDs, and I had a guy. I uh, my my buddy's my buddy's name is Mike Westuva, and I used to be able to get like ten or fifteen CDs done because he worked at he worked at a company that did pressing, right? Okay. So he could do some CDs like on the down low after me for nothing. So like I had a label where I did some lays, some CDs. It was mostly stuff that I had played on, and then. It had kind of went dormant. I hadn't really done anything with it in years. Um, it actually had a terrible name. It had a terrible start. And it was never supposed to be as small as it was. I'd actually, like, I had signed a band. I'd done all the research. I'd called all the pressing plants. I, you know, I learned everything you needed to do. And then the band kind of broke up. Mm. So, you know, I just kind of, you know, I, I put out a CD that I was on that wasn't, you know, in my opinion, we're not very good. I'm not a great guitar player. I'm definitely not a great songwriter. And I would put out the CDs and I would just slap that label's name on it. So I hadn't done anything for years. And then I booked the follow-ups. Now, I saw the follow-ups record and I couldn't believe a band from Canada had slipped by and I didn't know who they were. So I, I added I added a couple of them to Facebook and Tyler Adams, you know, sent me a message right away and he sent me the, the new album. 
and we got shooting the shit and Tyler actually grew up in Norwich or outside of Norwich, which is like, we live 20, we grew up 20 miles apart. Okay. Tyler sometimes messages me and says like the one time he's like, Hey man, who's this Swedish man that played call the office around like 2000 to 2005. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm like, no fun at all. And, uh, like misconduct are the only ones. And he's like, Oh yeah, it was misconduct, you know, because we're, we were at all the same shows, but we never met. Oh, nice. So I booked the follow-ups to play. They were supposed to play March, 2019. And I booked the whole tour. They were going to play Montreal, Toronto, London, Hamilton. And I had a live to air with Dave Rock and the jobbers. And I said to Dave, why don't you play? Because Dave, Dave Rock and the Jowers, for those of you who don't know, is a wrestling band. So I said to Dave, why don't you cover Hey Yo, Ballad of Razor Ramon on promote the show? Dave's like, absolutely. So they did that. Fast forward, you know, that show gets canceled. I rebook it for summer. That tour gets canceled. Rebook it for fall. That show, you know, it just kept getting canceled, right? Yeah. So we went into a very restrictive lockdown. The station was closed. And I said to Dave, I go, I have a show on Christmas. Can you do something live to air? And I got Adam Quartz from CHRW. He's a, a great sound guy. He's been a huge help to the label. Um, if anybody's listening in the London area, like you want Adam to do your album because he does great work. And Adam came out and recorded Day Rocket. He did two songs. He did a Yeah Bud song and he did Joey Did Acid acoustically in the Speed City Records dollar shipping container. It's where Mike puts all his dollar records. Oh, nice. And it, it went so well that I was like, oh, that, that's really good. And I was telling Tyler about it and he said, well, we'll do a solo or we'll do an acoustic song for you. And that could be your New Year's show. So then they did. Then they did Love Letters from the Black Lagoon acoustic. And I decided, all right, this is really good. And I said to the, to, the, to Tyler, I'm like, why don't you guys pick a song by the Jobbers, record it electric, and we'll put out a split seven inch. But we we're I was like, we'll do lathes. And I noticed that John had just started doing lathes, and I had done lathes earlier. So I knew that there was a relatively a low cost. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, you know, I'm like, okay, I could do 50 for $500, right? Yeah. And then I got talking to John and the recordings turned out so well that John immediately was like, why don't you just put it out on a real seven? And she's like, if you're going to fork out five to a thousand, he's like, why don't you fork out two? And again, all my, all my prices are in Canadian, right? Yeah. So he's like, why don't you just fork out, you know, and, and you know, John was a big supporter. He was the first person to sign up. He's like, Yo, I'll take a bunch. I'll distribute them in the U.S. for you, which took a huge burden off me because with COVID happening, um, like I couldn't drive to the pressing plant to pick them up. So then I had to pay duty, you know, I had to pay shipping into Canada. And it was really great to just say to John, hey, just take a whole bunch of these. And then I didn't have to pay to ship them those that portion to Canada, right? Because the shipping to Canada is like five times more. It, it cost me, say, $200 to ship 200 records to Canada from Detroit, which is only a two-hour drive. Yeah. And then I had to pay duty on them. When is, like, John's probably six hours, maybe seven hours from Detroit. And it was, mm -hmm. like, it was like 20 bucks to send 100 to him. Yeah, John's just south of me, about an hour and a half south of me. Yeah, so 
you know, John was a huge help. Like he gave me names and stuff. I ended up, uh, Stefan over at stardom, he ended up doing a trade with me, which was great. Um, John also, I believe did a trade with, uh, Craig down in Australia. Like, Endless I, I attention. yeah, I like, I can't thank John enough. Like he helped, like I, I'm a new label that has two releases at that time, one release. And he's like, yo, I'll take a bunch. I'll help you sell them. I'll ship them down. Like, you know what, John, ever since I met John, he has been nothing but a class act. Yeah. Yeah. I wish like, yeah. I wish there was more people in the scene like him. Yeah. And you know mm -hmm. what? And, and, and it was cool to see, to see the, 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 the way people gravitate towards John. He's fair. You know what I mean? He's a yeah. good guy. He, he really gives, he really gives back to the scene. And, yeah, you know, it, it, it's nice to see that because uh, our area is not really n known for um, labels. I mean, other than maybe AF Records, and, and for a while we had a small label called Rally Records. Yeah, uh, I remember both those. Yeah, so, you know, we had those, but like a lot of the bands were just kind of doing themselves. And it was nice to see somebody in my area who were who is willing to put out great bands and do it the old fashioned way, you know, do it the right way. Um, yeah. Not, not trying to get rich off of it, not trying to um, make it their own new focus. I mean, he, he's put out incredible stuff, man. And I, I give that guy all the credit. And, and one of the, and one of the main reasons why I decided to decide to start my label too, is it, you know, seeing somebody around here do it, you know, kind of gave me, uh, hope that I could do the same thing. Maybe not at his caliber, but, you know, as best as I can, you know? Yeah, and, like, the whole reason for me doing the label initially was I was like, okay, the follow-ups are bigger band. They'll help lift the jobbers to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a lot of things I should also shout out, like, Corey and Casey at Tarantula Tapes. That They're they're about two and a half, three hours north of me in Barrie. Um like, you know what, I, I got a lot of press, I got a lot of, like, radio shows and stations that were playing my tunes, right, like, were playing, the, like, the releases, but, like, Corey and Casey have been a huge help, too, they put out the tape, which I didn't really know how to do it, plus, with, with everything going on, I didn't really want to do a tape, and it turned out Corey had went to school, like, high school with a bunch of the guys in the follow-ups, like, he's from the East Coast, so... Corey actually got it into a lot of press that I couldn't break into. Like there was people in Toronto that were doing blogs and magazines, like legit print stuff that like I was emailing them and it was going on deaf ears. And like Corey basically just like, Hey man, we got this tape coming out. And then like, they were willing to do that. Dave, I'm like, I spent $2,000 on a, on a record and I can't get no press. And I'm like, you know, Corey spends 300 bucks on 50 tapes and you know, He's got national for me. Yeah. That's really But yeah, cool. like they, they do a lot of great releases on tapes. Um, uh, I have, they're in a band called Heavy Petter, which is absolutely amazing. I had them down in um, October and they are doing a tour with Dave Rock and the Jobbers and Hellfant of Northern Ontario in April if things go well. Nice. Nice. But and yeah, I've, they've been a huge help. That's Tarantula Tapes. They got a ton of releases. And I actually, I learned a great thing from them. Like they would, they'll charge you $6 for the tape. But if you just want the digital, 
they're like, it's 20 bucks. Yeah. Right. That's Which cool. I, if you buy the $6 tape, you get the digital for free. Mm-hmm. They're all about like pushing physical product. They are, have been great people. So yeah, like definitely some early supporters of the label was uh, Tarantula Tapes, Mom's Basement Records, John and Trisha, and uh, Punk and Disorderly in Quebec was pretty good. And a lot of people, like, I couldn't believe the the initial success. Like, we moved a lot of records really fast. starting my label was the same thing promote 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 yeah. do as many things you can do you know f- you know get on everybody's page and and you know what and then did you know just make posts and make posts and expose and, and get people interested in what you're doing and um, i learned that from bo basement bo was like you gotta just constantly be on the and you know he was like you gotta be on the facebook you gotta be on the gram you gotta be doing the socials yep Yep, and Bo and Bo is it, the stuff he does with rank 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 picker, um, like it, it, it's it's great. Like you you can't you can't have fear when it comes to promoting. Like you just gotta, yeah. you know, if people if somebody gets pissed off, oh well, dude, move on to the next one. There's tons of groups you can go into and just and just promote heavily. Yeah, and that's all you gotta do. You just gotta. I mean, there's. You know, I joke around with my partner and my label, and I'm like, I got to go whore myself out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I got to go hit the internet and just and just and just promote, promote, promote. Yeah, like I'll be sitting at work. Uh, you know, I work. I get a lot of downtime at work, so I'll literally like put my feet up and just be like, "Can I harass? Where do I need to post? What do I got going on?" And it just it just goes from there. And you know what's really cool too is. 
other people who have labels too will always help promote your labels too. Like that's yeah. that's a thing that I noticed. Like I'm a huge supporter of you, um, and you of me. And same thing with with Mom's Basement and Ramon's Core Radio Records and a little Lost Girl Records. It, everybody, everybody really pushes and makes sure everybody gets the attention. Like we're all trying to work together, yeah, to to keep this thing going. And it was nice, like it was nice to be able to reach out to other people who have labels to yeah. kind of pick their brain a little bit when I was when. Uh, I was, uh, you know, deciding to start to do the label. I could reach out to Johnny at Cat's Claw in England, or I could reach out to Athena, like pick their brains a little bit. Cause I was, you know, besides having a, a quote unquote label when I, when I played in bands, much like you, I, I, I was starting as a, a promoter, as somebody who wanted to promote these bands that were my own. And like, I just, I picked everybody's brains. Like, what should I do here? especially yeah. when I was doing the comp, like, should I reach out to these bands? Can I get these bands? You know, some bands I know personally, but some of the bands I just cold contacted them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, like, like I started in radio, like <laughs> probably 12, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like, uh, how do I want to say this properly? I had gotten drunk years ago. And my buddy was kind of being a dick. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to start a competing band. And when I got sober, I, I got talked into actually doing it. And, you know, it was just, I was shooting my mouth off. I didn't play an instrument. And at, you know, 28 years old, I start playing guitar. And I'm also like, I'm in a band where I'm also teaching the, the bass player how to play. Like I'm learning how to play my instrument and I'm teaching the bass player how to play. And I ended up on radio with uh, like this guy, Sean Domrose, who was in a band called Eight, called me up and said, hey, do you want to come out and do a show? So I got into radio with him. You know, I started co-hosting. Then I moved on to my own show. And after a while, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to start promoting so that people will listen to my radio show. And initially, like the first band I ever booked was a band called The Girlfriends. They were out of, like, they're out of Ottawa. They're now on Dynalone Records. Their their name now is the New Swears, but they're on an they're on a label with with Dallas Green, Alexis on Fire, and like Pop, right? Like some of the biggest. Oh, they're wow. on that label with them, right? Like they become huge, and here we are, like twelve years later. Like the last time they played London, like I showed up and I go to pay to get in, and it's like, ah, Jordan, you're on Jordan, you're on the guest list, right? Nice. And that was. You know, and a couple years ago, I think it was 2019. No, 2018. It was the first time. It was actually the first time Dave ever played with a full band. Utley, who's in the band, probably. He's actually the bass player of Wired Wrong as well. We were chatting, and, you know, we got Pooza Fest in Montreal, and a lot of bands are, you know, come and go, you know, come in the area. And I said, just jokingly, I said, ah, the only band I want to book is the D-Cracks. Right. I'm like, I'm not even going to try because I'm like the only band I want too big. I'm not going to get them. And then literally like the next day, Jimmy Vapid calls me up and says, hey, man, can you uh, can you do a show for Lone Wolf? And the get the hell so, out of here. Yeah. Like, why not try? Right. Because stuff happens like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. 
and you know what and it's and the one thing that the one thing that i really like about the scene where i you know it might be the fact that we're getting older and i've I mentioned this before there's just i've never seen more of a sense of community in the global scene yeah than the last several years the last several years i mean it's just it's so easy to reach out to bands. It's so easy to reach out to people. There's no ego. There's no, I, I, I'm better than you. There's no, there's no separation between people and bands anymore. There's, there's just the, the, the unifying thing about the whole scene has just been really, uh, really inspiring the last maybe three, four years. I find it amazing too because like like I, I, I used to drink like I don't drink anymore because I had an I have a very severe alcohol problem. Okay. And uh there are times like when I saw the when the D Cracks played London because uh they played Hamilton the next day. And I'm literally sitting at the bar with a guy. Don't even know who he is. We're shooting the shit. You know, he tells me he's in this band called The Sock. I never really heard of The Sock, you know. And he mentions he's from Harrisburg, PA. I'm dr- <laughs> and, and he adds me to Facebook. And that night, you know, I, I watched The Real Sickies. I watched The D-Cracks. I watched The Vapids. I'm driving home at like 1.30 in the morning. And I message him. And I'm like, I'm like, holy fuck, dude. I'm like, you're the drummer of the Lebowskis, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, man. <laughs> and I'm like, I fucking with you 20 years ago. Yeah, right? Lebowski's were a hell of a great band, man. Yeah, but like they played my, you know, they played London. I partied with them. I sat at a bar with the guy and I didn't even remember him. But halfway home, I'm like, and a lot of that's coming around because it's like, you know what? I was a big fan of the Vapids. I became friends with Jamie, Scotty, Eric, and Matt, JT, you know, the whole lineup. And I went through some stuff. I, you know, they, you know, they stopped seeing him in years. And then, you know, all of a sudden, one day, Jimmy messages me. I run into him in the street, and he's like, you know, he did the art for my album. He, he's let me book his band a few times, you know, and it's just everything's coming full circle. That's really awesome. That's yeah. really awesome, man. Now, let, I, let like, me... I, I'm, a, I'm like probably the biggest Vapids fan. I know Bo, Bo will probably tell you he is, but I'm like... Like I'm a huge Vapids fan. <laughs> the Vapids are pretty fucking awesome. I got yeah. into them fairly late to the game, maybe like the over. Um, uh, I think I'm not sure if it was either uh, Stiv or somebody in that circle got me turned on to the Vapids a couple years back, and that um, was late to the game. Never heard of them, and then I was like, "Where the fuck has this band been all my life?" You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I got sucked right in. Which you know, but it's a damn shame too when it comes to Canadian bands. Like, I I, I wish I knew more. You know what I mean? Because like I like we all talked about, I'm so close. I'm so close to Canada border. I I am definitely lucky. I mean, I have had some like, you know, with with my addiction, with like you know meeting girls, jobs. I have had spans where I wasn't going to shows or where I was only going to the big shows. Mm-hmm. but I am fortunate enough that, you know what? There were times in my life where I was in Hamilton every weekend to see, you know, spoiled rotten gray line, the vapids. Cause you know, there was stuff going on there. You know, I was seeing a lot of the local acts here. And plus I'm always, 
I'm I'm an insane record collector. I'm in a room that's just filled with records right now. And <laughs> I've always driven. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the, you know, like there's bigger bands. I'm like, you know, what? I've seen the Riptides 20 times. Mm-hmm. I've seen the Creeps, you know, probably 30 times. You know, I've, and, I've seen the Riptides. I've seen I don't think I've seen the Creeps. I've seen the Riptides, though. The first time I ever saw the Creeps, I drove three hours to a town called Oshawa because it was the closest they'd ever come to me. Oh, nice. I think I might have seen them in Erie or maybe even like Jamestown, New York. And like being where I am, I am I'm equal distance to downtown Toronto as I am to downtown Buffalo and downtown Detroit. So, you know, bands that wouldn't come to Canada we'd always drive like you know i've seen the dwarves twice in detroit i've seen gang green in buffalo because if they're not going to come to london well we'd have to go see them yeah it's no different than me if they're not coming to pittsburgh you got cleveland if they're not going there yeah. you can go to Erie. you know you kind of bounce around between and what's really nice too is we're getting a lot of bigger bands coming through youngstown now yeah and, which is great which and which london is... was london was always spoiled because you know what? The town of London it has half a million people. It had a great promoter venue. Uh, Tony Lima called the office. Um, Helen ran the embassy. Like we had two A plus clubs, and everything that was coming through would be playing London on their way to Detroit from Toronto or vice versa. Nice. Like, no. and we had Mike Todd, who was an original supporter of Lookout. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Mike Todd brought the Screeching Weasel and the Queers and Apocalypse Hoboken and all these, like he bought all these bands to London. That's awesome. Right. That's like, awesome. He had fake recording contracts. He had fake, like, you know, record, like they're going to record at the studio to get them across the border. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So like and that's we really had awesome. all that stuff coming to town because we had people that were, willing to do it that's awesome and eventually i just said me too
Now we we talked about you doing Dave Rocket and the Jobbers and the follow and the follow up split. Um, both incredible bands. Uh, you know, I have correspondence with with those guys as well. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the band that you actually got me into exclusively from you, which is Elephant. Um, <clears throat> dude. Dude, we gotta talk about Elephant, man. T- tell me all about. Tell tell a listener about this band. Okay, so Elephant is four guys. Um, Scotty Cameron is the drummer. He is the oldest brother of four. I've known Scott for two years, but I've known his brothers Rich and Chris. They are literally my best friends. I've known them for twenty five years. They used to play in a, in a punk band called Third Thrust. And now they're in a punk band and they've been in a punk band for probably 20 years called the Hillbilly Burger Boys that has two CDs out. And then I, I'm new to Chris Ehrenberg, but he plays in a surf band. And then I've known Gus for probably six or seven years. He's the guitar player. He's, he was always, he was in a band called Sneed. They had a, they had a CD out on Stablehead Records. Um, he's now in a band. And then Gary is the singer. And I don't really, I didn't actually really know Gary that well. Gary added me to Facebook. Um, They were signed to Curse Blessing Records out of Toronto, which is Al Nolan from Trigger Happy. And like Trigger Happy's at one time was probably Canada's biggest band. Prior to some 41, Trigger Happy was, you know, moving 30 to 50,000 albums. So... Gary had actually played in Trigger Happy. You know, they had released the maybe, or sorry, they had released Crumble as a digital EP. You know, it was supposed to come out on, 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 I believe it was supposed to come out on 7-inch. I could be wrong. And, you know, I got talking to Gary through Al. I played their, I played their songs a couple times. Really, actually didn't even really listen to it. Just put it on because it was new. It's Canadian. I, you know, we have rules up here and I got talking to Gary. He's a super great guy. And I actually listened to the album and I can't, I can't remember where I was, but he messaged me and he said, we just got dropped by curse blessings. Oh, I was like, man. Oh man, like that's terrible. And he goes, well, he goes, you know, the album was supposed to come out. You know, we got signed like 18 months ago. Stuff happened. I can't really comment. I don't really know. And I said to him, I go, well, like, how do you feel? And Gary goes, you know, I grew up playing sports. He goes, you, you get cut from one hockey team. He goes, that just means you try harder and you make the team next year. Mm-hmm. And right then and there, I was like, I'm like, I'm, I'll put out your fucking record. That's and awesome. he's like, he's like, Ser-? I'm like, man, like to me, that couldn't have been a better attitude. Like he wasn't bitter. A lot of guys would have been like, I'm guy. I'm going to drag him through the mud. And he goes, you know what? He goes, something better will come along. He goes, mm-hmm. we'll try harder and something better will come along. So I said, I'll put out your album. We'll, we'll, you know, we're now. We got talking and Gary said, well, how long does it take to put a seven inch out? And I go, well, right now the wait time is about six months. And I'm like, well, you know, you've been waiting 18 months. I'm like, can we really afford to wait? Or we can have a CD in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So Faster and Louder number two came out. Um, basically three weeks later it's a five song ep and if you ask me it's friggin' excellent it's it's amazing dude 
It, yeah. it, it's amazing. I remember you sent me, you sent me a file and I was just like, holy fuck, dude. How do yeah. I not know this band? And like, it, it's weird because like, I'll sit with Gary and I'll talk with him and it's, you know, he was in a band called lame that I don't remember, but they, you know, they toured Canada a couple times. They went down to the States, right? He was in trigger happy when they toured, I, I believe the East coast, if not just Quebec, you know, the province of Quebec, right? Like he's been there and done it. The lame band had this, uh, like the guy that played guitar on it, Les Brazzini, which is, you know, he was a very big name in Canada at one time. And it's like, how does, how did Gary, you know, he's always been that guy that's like on the cusp. He's, you know, they've never broken through, but he's always been there. That's awesome. Yeah. Like when, when, when you, when you turned me on to that and like they have a throwback sound to them, but like they sound fresh, they sound urgent. They sound, they sound like now, you know, yeah. and, 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 and I love that, that, that bands are unapologetically making music that they grew up on and it's different. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it still sounds fresh, but they're, they're definitely pulling from, from, from the, from before, you know, and the bands that you, you, the, the multiple bands that you've showed me, they all come, they all sound like the old school nineties, you know, rancid and the skate punk and, you know the fat wrecked sounds and all that stuff and like i love that that's 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 coming because like people are people are our age or get to showing our influences on what we were into and bringing it to the forefront see i never just being bands. and i never liked that stuff it's like when, when i got into punk and i started like i did start with the fat records and the epitaph stuff but once i heard the queers like I was all in on the lookout sound, you know, I, you know, I stopped listening to the lag wagons. I stopped listening to, you know, good riddance and noise for name. Like I just was, I just got right out of that stuff and went all in on like op Ivy screeching weasel, the queers, the groovy ghoulies. Dude, whereas, whereas for me, um, we all be, we both can talk about 94. We, we know exactly what happened in 94, but when all that happened, I delve into Fat Wreck at the same time I was diving into Epitaph, same time I was getting into uh, Lookout, I was getting into Hopeless Records, I was getting New Red Archives, I was getting into Discord, yeah. I was getting into everything I could get my hands on. And me too, but so that all didn't that happen stuff until 98 for me. Oh, really? Because everything blurred together. Like when I talk about when I talk about Lookout, it's in the same breath as I talk about Epitaph. Like it, it all it all jumbles together for me. It's all the same the same yeah. thing to me growing up in the small town like i didn't have access to like punk rock so i wasn't really into it but you know like i liked the ramones i liked the sex pistols you know i liked the forgotten rebels i like green day i like offspring but it was only stuff that was on the radio and that was the same way that was the same yeah. way as me and the, the only thing that i the only thing that i was i i, I think i had a little bit of an edge on some places um, uh, you probably remember cause they're, they're from Cleveland is, uh, alternative press. Yes. And, um, well in our, like we have like stores called giant Eagle in um, yes. the Western Pennsylvania and parts of New York and stuff. And, um, they would carry alternative press and it was yeah. right around the time that the punk explosion was happening. 
and they were covering bands like uh, the New Bomb Turks, and they were covering bands like, um, you know, the Swinging Utters, and they were covering all these other bands that weren't really getting the attention as the bigger bands were getting it. So I was just sucking all this information in, dude. See, and like growing up in like in Ingersoll, never leaving. We didn't even have a music store when I was in high school. Oh, well, we had a place called the Record Den that I could go. You could go get like uh, imports and stuff like that. Like it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, we didn't have that. Like when I was really young, we had a, a store in town called uh, Records Unlimited, but it had gone like it had closed down when I was like 11 years old. So there was if you're not leaving town, there's no way to, there was no way to get music. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, like yeah. the town I grew up in, it, it's a it's a valley. There's a little cities all scattered through, like near each other. Yeah, and I I taught in my towns wasn't that big growing up, uh, maybe like twenty twenty five thousand people. Um, but like when I talked to other people from towns just as similar, they were like, "Oh yeah, we didn't have a record store. You had like three, and I'm like, yeah." Oh, that's bizarre because I would I didn't think of where I lived as being, you know, progressive or anything like that. It was just a still town, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah we had we had we had three record stores, you know what I mean? And you could go to all three of them and pick up basically they were carrying underground stuff as much as they were major label stuff. Yeah. And like once I got into it, it actually I should probably tell this story. When I was when I turned 17. My, my father had started, my, my father didn't work Friday afternoons. He, he was always off Friday afternoons. My dad would go to the thrift store and he would buy every record that was in decent condition. On my 17th birthday, my dad gave me a milk crate full of records that was Iron Maiden, like Motorhead, Judas Priest, all that stuff that I honestly, I still love to this day. Nice. But tucked away was Dead Kennedy's Frank and Christ. Nice. That was, that was my first ever punk rock record nice like i listened to it i loved it and my next door neighbor keith who was like my best friend like he loved industrial music right he only listened to industrial music and death metal but he had every cd by snfu that is to this day like my favorite punk band i have like i have like seven snfu tattoos i have all their albums on cd set record you know like that's one bit so got into it and then once i like once i turned 18 and i i got my own car and i was like leaving town my whole paychecks were going to records no yeah yeah like i I drive into london to speed city records and i'd come home with you know another milk crate and i bought everything it was like sight unseen i you know i'd be like i go and at the time youtube everything you know that stuff was starting and it would be like oh you know what i don't even know who the descendants are but look it's on epitaph you know oh it's on sst i like black flag i'm gonna buy this and then it's like i'm gonna buy the Minutemen. now i'm buying youth brigade now i'm buying the subhumans and it i just went nuts
And you know what was really cool too is around the same time, like probably as you, like in you know your your late teens. Um, not only did we have MTV, but from you guys, we had much music. Yes, and much music, dude. Much music was playing the stuff that MTV wouldn't play. So I That's was right. getting exposed to a lot of the underground stuff from much music because they weren't. It was almost like they weren't they weren't the music snobs that MTV could kind of be. You know what I mean? They were playing the more obscure stuff. Yeah. And they, and to be honest, like we have CanCon up here where, you know, radio and TV has to play, I think it's 35% Canadian content. Nice. So you're getting, you know, up here, we're getting force fed stuff, but a lot of it's still good. Yeah. And like gave a lot of breaks to bands like Gob and some 41. Mm-hmm. And then even earlier than that, um, even before MTV was really giving them any attention, but bands like Bare Naked Ladies, yeah, um, even though they're not a punk band, but they were much music was exposed. I was listening to stuff like If I Had a Million Dollars and Brian Wilson before M- MTV ever jumped on them. Actually, Jason Priestley was putting out was putting a movie up about like the guy from Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two and Oh, he's going to create a movie. That was about how a band could sell several million albums in Canada, but wasn't known in the U.S. Oh, yeah. And the movie was based on the Bare Naked Ladies, right? Nice. And then while he was about to start making the movie, they make in the U.S. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, because then they got the, I think the song was the one week song. Yeah, said, that was a bit. He's yeah, like, I don't... have this band. I'm gonna do this movie. I got all this financing, and like, I saw a video of him on Much Music one time where he's being interviewed. A lot of people don't know this. Jason Priestley was an, a 1980s punk rocker in Canada. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he's like, I, you know, I've seen DOA. I've seen the Subhumans. I was at that Dead Kennedy show. That's awesome, man. Right, but you're like, oh, like Brandon Walsh wouldn't be into that. <laughs> and you know what that's a, you know we, we talked about it earlier but uh that turned out a punk dude that's amazing how many people like were into punk that you would have never expected them to be a part of punk rock yeah you know whether they're comedians like i i knew like john stewart was and i knew um uh michael ian black from uh, the state and stella um he was a part of it but like you st- they, he has interviews with people you'd be like no yeah no he couldn't have been in a punk rock and sure as shit dude sure as shit they were man yeah same with like up here like you know some of the biggest supporters of the punk scene like on much music one of them was like terry david mulligan terry david mulligan was on like much west he was probably 50 years old and he like he was on the lowest rated show on much music right he was a former police like 70s dj that went into like the vj business right he was actually in the jody foster movie as the detective on uh i can't even remember but like he was you know not the guy you think and then like he's in all the smugglers videos he was interviewing like bands like snfu all the time right Mm -hmm. that's that's, awesome that's just how he is and like it's recently come there's a guy in there's a guy on hockey night in Canada. His name's Dave Hodge. He's like a 70 year old or 60 year old guy. And like this guy devours all music. He's like, oh man, I buy like 300 CDs a week. Oh, that's awesome. Man. And it, it can be everything from classic rock to like 
he he's listening to bands like fucked up and career suicide which is like the hardest shit like that's coming out of canada oh yeah for sure yeah and, and he's and, like, yeah, man, I was listening to Rush last night from 1976. And he goes, that, you know, and he'll, he'll tell you the story on like a podcast. And he'll be like, and that led me to want to listen to Career Suicide because they're both from Scarborough. And it's like, how do you go from there? Yeah. That's like, that's like me being like, ah, oh, man, I was listening to Carol King and I suddenly got the urge to listen to like the Daglo abortions. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Music, I don't know. The older I get, you know, and that this maybe maybe this is kind of the same way that these people think is the older I get, the less I'm worried about subgenre. You know yeah. what I mean? The less I'm worried about maybe I would have scoffed at something 20 years ago. And I'm like, no, I I can see the appeal of this. Like I, I can dig this. You know, I'm a lot more open minded when it comes to to different sounding things. Like I'm not afraid to go popular. I'm not afraid to go you know sludgy i'm not afraid to go you know experimental like i'm just i'm more open-minded if, if it catches my ear and i and i like it then i like it yeah and you that's know? that's how it is with me just good tunes yeah. are good tunes yeah well before i let you go jordy i want to talk to you about stuff that you have coming up and, and some of the bands some of the other bands you really got me into um we discussed them earlier uh probably um wired wrong and uh the other band is bad words um what are you said the the guy the one of the guys probably is also in wired wrong correct that's correct so yeah um i i used to book this band i actually i still book this band they they opened the hell fan show they're called three infinite males and they were on uh like they were on a&m records in the 90s right oh wow yeah and like they're from sarnia you know i became I went to see him a couple times. I became friends with Wes kind of like basically had a five year span where I, I didn't see him. And I ran into him in a music store in Toronto. He was working and we talk all the time. Like I've stayed at his house. I booked them, you know, at least once a year, sometimes two or three. And I started booking three infinite males. And every time I booked them, I'd see this kid there and I'd see, oh, I'd see these two kids there and they would, you know, no matter what I booked, Three Infinite Males is a band that people listen to that like to, like, it's a guitarist band. The people that stick around are the guys that want to see Wes Shred, right? Mm -hmm. They want to see Mike play bass, and they want to see Wally Drum, because these guys are probably three of the best musicians in the area, right? Nice. So, these two kids were always there watching. They'd stay till the end of the night. And the three of them, was like, you know what? They knew the deal. You know, the till would keep running. They'd make more money. So they would jam two, three hours. Like, you'd have to kick them off the stage at 2.30 in the morning, right? But these two <laughs> kids were always showing up, and they stayed for the entire time, right? Well, fast forward probably a year and a half. You know, it's kind of a long story, but whatever. We got time. Yeah. My buddy Eddie is in a band called... I actually, I don't even want to say the name because it's repulsive and it's disgusting and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be said, right? Okay. So, if, so, we're, if we're going to be PC about it, Jordy, we're going to yeah, be PC yeah, yeah. about it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be PC at least about this. So my buddy Eddie's doing a show and Joey, who's my friend, I was like, he, my buddy Eddie's like, I need some bands to open. He's like, I got this band, Rape the Pavement. And he's like, I need somebody else. I'm like, well, why don't you give Joey Letdown a call? The Letdown's just broken up. 
Joey's a great guy. Like he's doing this acoustic thing. He'll come out. Well, lo and behold, Joey, the guys from Rape the Pavement become great friends. Rape the Pavement finally decides, you know what? We need to change our name. They become Probably, and they start doing shows at Probably House. Oh, okay. They want to do a show in their jam space, which is their living room, right? They do a show. You know, eventually, you know, I, I, you know, I know Joey. Joey introduces me to Chris, but I'm like, I'm not going to a house show. Like, I'm, I'm like, fucking pushing forty. I'm not hanging out with kids drinking, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not into that. I finally, or so you thought. Yeah, so I thought. I finally get convinced to go. I go. It's run as Chris. Chris ran it with the help of Kyle, Joe, and Steve, as good as any venue that I'd ever been to. Bands were playing on time. You know, they were monitoring the alcohol. They were carting people. Like, they were making sure kids didn't drink, you know. And they were doing everything right to make sure that the venue survived. Nice. Right? So, probably was really good. They put out a a cassette called Demo Random on reel-to-reel tapes. And then... Joey formed Wired Wrong after the letdowns broke up. Wired Wrong player eventually left. Chris from 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 probably just slid right in with complete ease, you know. So that kind of happened. You know, we all became like really great friends. Chris was doing a lot of shows, and then lo and behold, Chris Chris moved to Ottawa. You know what? He had to like he he wanted to go back to school. I can't argue with him. You know, probably it already broken up. So we decide we're going to put out the Probably House tribute, which actually five minutes into today's podcast, I just paid for. So we can talk about this. Okay, good, good, good. But, but the stipulation for with Chris, I told Chris, I'm like, I'll do it. But Chris didn't want probably on the comp because he's like, we're broken up. And I said, I said to him, I go, well, you can't do a fucking Probably House tribute. To the, to the fucking venue without the fucking band, probably. And he said, he said, fine. He goes, but here's the stipulation. We got to be last on the... I'm like, why do you got to be last? He goes, because we always played last. I fight for last cause records all night long I'll be loud as a wall fall back on the mess I made kicking dust and kicking myself now ready to be around anyone else go fuck yourself I do not need your help I'm gonna get blacked out and take up gonna make sure tonight I get lost where this road's taking me I don't have a clue I'm not looking up no looking back I'm staring at my feet as they smack the gold I just need a date of myself Complete disregard for my own health I'm drinking all 
guys. So we decided that we would do five bands that played probably house. Nice. So we got Dave Rock and the Jobbers because they played there a bunch, which they're out of London now. We got Wired Ron because they played there a whole bunch. Then we got Bad Words. I think they played once or twice. Then we got from Toronto, the legendary School Damage, which they got a new album coming out on Mom's Basement. They came and played it. And then we had probably end it. I like I just paid for it. We we'd asked a couple other bands, you know, you know, we we had talked to Hospital Job about about contributing a track, but they didn't have anything new, so they they were like, we're gonna have to pass just because they didn't have anything. You know, we talked to some other bands in London that were like, you know, the way the deal was, they didn't want to do it, so it was like, okay, well, whatever, you know, everybody has their thing. So that's gonna be the next seven inch on Faster and Louder Records. It should be out in May, maybe June, based on uh, current timelines. Well, let me know because I'll pick up a copy for sure. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's it was a venue that was run by three friends at the end, four friends. It's still going, but with COVID, it's kind of on the like on the down low. They're not doing anything, but like Joe and Kyle still live there. It's just Chris is in Ottawa. Chris really was. Like, he did a lot of the legwork to make that venue a success. Like, we had a door guy, like, when they were doing it. You know, we, we had band like, they had, like, I helped out a lot, too. So, sometimes I say we, when really, like, I was, like, I was a small part, like, the minusculest part. But, you know what? We had, the, we had bands from all over the U.S. play. We had bands from Japan. We flew City Mouse up one time awesome like misky had just moved to to orlando and she's like well and we're like fuck it come on up right (laughs) and it was just a great venue it was a great time everybody checked their egos out the door we never had like i think there was one fight the entire time we were there i mean initially at the start there the amount of time people were in the back room or in the bathroom when we we put it like we put a stop to that, we're like the bathrooms for like going to the washroom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but it it was well run, and you know what? There's other people in the town that you know. I do shows at the Richmond Tavern. You know, I know what the Richmond's gonna pay, so I know what like what I can work with, right? Tony Lehman, Brandon Edie were doing shows at Call the Office in the Music Hall. Like they were booking bigger acts. It was really a great venue for the smaller bands that you just, they, they weren't for the smaller bands or just if they were coming to town and the other venue was booked because like the crowd that would play the probably house, the probably house was about the same size as the Richmond. So if the Richmond was booked, you know what, let's do the show there then. That's awesome. And you know what? And I, and I love hearing uh, about places like this because you know, when I first got into the punk scene, it was basement shows and nights yeah. at Columbus halls and people's living rooms and garages and all these different things. And to hear that that stuff is still going on in other places makes me feel really happy because that's that's the core of it. It's like yeah. the the thing about punk is you can play anywhere. Yeah, you can play it, anywhere, any fucking time, and just go plug yeah. in and go. And Chris did it good. Like he had Tyler Campbell doing sound, which Tyler was is the lead guitar player of probably. He had Tyler doing sound. Like we they had lights in the in the living room. 
they had uh like they had lights out back we'd have a fire pit like chris made sure like no alcohol no minors but we'd still like you know what i brought my nephew there a bunch of times it was fine and i'll say this too chris made sure i know a lot of people were telling him to serve alcohol and chris was smart and he didn't do it a lot of people were like you know you could you could pick up a case of 24 for 24 and turn that and he's like, but then I'm responsible. Yeah. He goes, then, you know, if something happens, it's on us. He's like, we don't do alcohol. Maybe we can get away with this. And you know what? And it, it, and it it's was BYOB. It's not like everybody didn't show up with their own alcohol. Yeah. And you know what? And I like venues that do do that. They're all ages, but you know what? It's B-O-Y-B-B-O-B-Y-O-B. And you just don't talk about it. If the people are in the know, they're in the know. That, that, yeah. that gets... That that takes all the bullshit out of it. Yeah, you know what it, I mean? It takes all that the 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 people just showing up because they can drink. You know what I mean? It yeah. takes that away. And Simon, who owned the house, also owned the houses next door to it. So like they had that buffer, you know, and like Simon lived in the one house and would come over and watch the shows, right? Like the landlord would come and watch the bands play. The people that lived on the other side. You know, they'd come because it was a party. They never paid to get in, but it'd be like, you know, everybody was there. So you you didn't even have to worry about the neighbors. And it was almost right downtown London. That's awesome. A lot of people just walked home. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I was like, we have to bookmark. We have to like record this era in London history. Trying to be discreet, 
you look at the label the same way that I look at mine and how I look at the podcast in general. It's, it's recording history. It's, it's holding on to this time in, you know, how many times have we been to shows and saw bands that nobody's ever heard of or that nobody talked about. And to see that you're doing the same thing that I'm doing, it's, you know, we have that kinship. We, you know, we're, we're not only putting music out, but we're trying to be historians at the same time. Um, yeah. Trying to document it because it needs to be documented. People need to hear these bands. People need to hear this story. People need to understand what's going on at this given moment. Yeah, and people, you know, maybe later generations need to look back and be like, they did it, I can too. Exactly. Because let's be honest, like, I'm not, like, I'm not that smart. You know, I'm just a regular Joe with a, with a day job, and now I'm running a record label, right? Yep. Yeah, like, you know, Chris started a venue. He was just, at the time, he was just a guy welding cement tanks. Right? It's amazing what we can do if we just, if we just do yeah. it, man. And he went from booking, like, bringing, like, we both went from just guys that, like, wanted to like be in bands to you know what we're bringing we're bringing bands in from 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 other countries we're we're giving our friends a chance to play then it became like all right now we're you know for me it's like i'm putting out records and like london has record labels like you know what we have get party that does stuff in london you know we have yeah right which is predominantly like more of the rock and roll like the helicopters type of stuff mm-hmm but, you know, he's not, you know, we don't have a lot. We don't, I don't think we have any bands in London that, that do that kind of music. So, you know, he's not putting out anything really local. We have his trash records where like Jesse's not putting. So it was like, you know what? Somebody needs to put out stuff in this genre. Yep. Somebody needs to release the London stuff to like make our stamp. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that you guys are. And and Jordy, before I let you go, um, now that we're into 2022, um, besides of, of course we talked about the uh, probably house uh, comp that you're putting out. Um, what else do you have on tap for 2022? Or some of your bands going to be able to go out and play? Are they going to be able to do mini tours? Like what what's on the horizon? Well, right now, if all goes well, we have the follow ups coming back to London in April. Nice. We, ha- we have the Lily Livers and Randy R- and the Randy Bastards out of Detroit are coming up to London. Um, we have the three-day tour of Barry, Newmarket, and North Bay with uh, Elephant, Dave Rock, and the Jobbers with our friends Heavy Petter from Tarantula Tapes. That's really it, um, show-wise. I know Dave's plan. Dave and Wyatt Wrong are planning some more Sarnia shows, which Dave's originally from Sarnia and Joey's from Sarnia. So they want to play a hometown show. Um, hopefully some Hamilton stuff and some Oshawa stuff happens because actually Gary's from Oshawa originally. So like he's pretty into the scene there. So, you know, we got a couple dates booked, We're, you know, hopefully there's some mini tours. Hopefully we can get our, the, the label and the band's names out. Um, like I said, we got the probably house tribute that just got paid for today. So that will be out in probably May or June. 
I would expect by the end of the summer, there's going to be a split seven inch, uh, Johnny Tarion and another band. I don't want to say the other band just yet. Okay. And then hopefully by the end of the year, there's going to be a 12 inch elephant, uh, record. Nice. And if you want, um, it's faster and louder, uh, radio it's on radio and promotions. It's on, uh, Facebook. We're on as 94.9 Faster and Louder on Instagram. We are on Bandcamp. All our releases are available uh, via Mom's Basement, Stardom Records, and Real Records in the UK. And like I've got them out to stores all over Ontario. Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook. I'm Jordan Elijah. And yeah, like they're, all this stuff's available. If you want it, just, just send me a message. Or it's all on Spotify too. If you're not, if you're just, I'm into digital. Like we're just as happy that you're listening to it. Yep, and catch all that information too. On this is just a phase. Uh, the Facebook group as well. Um, I have no problem cross promoting, um, helping helping labels and promoters and um, other podcasters out. Try to get their 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 stuff across. Uh, I implore the listener to check out all the bands that we talked about. Of course, I'm going to be playing songs throughout um, the, the the roster of bands that you're, you're, you're you help promote and put out are incredible, and I'm I'm truly honored that you you've you've been able to give me a a, um, a look into what's going on in your scene. A um, lot of great stuff coming out that I never knew existed that I'm I'm now a big fan of. Yeah, so I'll just say it again. <laughs> If you're listening, you got to check out Probably. You got to check out Why Wrong, Bad Words, Dave Rock and the Jobbers, The Follow-Ups, Heliphant, and uh, Johnny Tarion and the Bad Lieutenants. And I'm also on Spotify. I got a Spotify playlist, which is bands that are signed to the label, and as well as bands that I'm bringing to town. So there's there's two faster and louder uh, Spotify links. Nice. And I'll, I'll put those all in the links, too. And uh, Jordan? uh thank you so much for being on the podcast man man thanks for having me i really great yeah it's been great and uh it's really great getting to know you better and uh really to hear the story of your scene and just bull just hanging out and bullshitting with you man it's been a lot of fun yeah man i i hope it turned out well and i hope people enjoyed it and if they don't well i tried maybe i'll do better next time <laughs> it turned it, i'm sure it'll turn out great man but, hey, you enjoy the rest of your night, and I will catch up with you here in a little bit, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you later, buddy. Talk to you later, Jordan. Yeah. Bye. Bye.